You're listening to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Diabetes Discourse, sponsored by Novo Nordisk, a world leader in diabetes care. Here's your host, Dr. Stephen Edelman, founder and director of Taking Control of Your Diabetes, clinical professor of medicine, Division of Endocrinology and Metabolism, University of California, San Diego, and San Diego Veterans Administration Healthcare System. What is the effect of glycemic control on macrovascular outcomes in patients with diabetes? Joining us to discuss understanding the effects of glycemic control on macrovascular outcomes using the Archimedes model is Chief Scientific and Medical Officer of the American Diabetes Association, Dr. David Kendall. Dr. Kendall, welcome to ReachMD. Steve, thanks very much. A pleasure to join you. David, before we get into the Archimedes model, which I guarantee you very few listeners will know anything about but will be interested in, what were some of the discrepancies in the results of recent clinical trials, such as the Accord, the Advance, the Proactive, the UKPDS? Because uh, the Archimedes model is going to help us understand these results as we go through the show. Well, Steve, uh, great background, and uh, you're right. Uh, really, one of the features that drove the development of models like Archimedes to look at large populations, at least in a simulated fashion, were the results of these trials. And uh, as many of the listeners know, uh, Accord Advance, uh, Proactive, and uh, some of the follow-up to the United Kingdom study were all designed to look more specifically at the question at hand, uh, the one you introduced the show with, that is, what is the effect of glucose control specifically on the risk of major cardiovascular events? Um, Accord and Advance in particular were designed to look at more intensive levels of glucose control than many of us would consider uh, the standard of care at present, targeting uh, hemoglobin A1C levels in the low 6% range in advance, and in fact targeting A1C levels below 6% in the ACCORD trial. And, and while both of these studies differed substantially in the patient populations recruited, um, both achieved really exceptional levels of glucose control in their more intensively treated populations, um, median levels or average levels at or below 6.5%. And this is in a large population of individuals who had had long-standing or at least longer-standing type 2 diabetes and higher glucose levels. Um, those trials, as well as Proactive and UKPDS, uh, failed, in fact, individually to demonstrate that these more intensive levels of glucose control could significantly reduce the risk of cardiovascular event. Uh, and there are a number of caveats that this was done in different populations, as I described, and was done on the background of varying levels of treatment for other cardiovascular risk factors. Yeah, and I think a lot of the patients, uh, at least in the ACCORD trial, already had some evidence of coronary artery disease. And so I think I think that's been kind of a big surprise to all of us out there in the trenches seeing patients that, you know, glucose control really had no effect. In fact, most people know from listening to the show on other topics is that, you know, there was the intensive group in the ACCORD trial that had a higher mortality rate than the group that had less well-controlled. So it's it's really uh, changed the way we think about patients, at least older patients, without any evidence of microvascular disease. How aggressive do you actually have to be? Well, tell us about the Archimedes model. How much time could it save us doing clinical trials? What Archimedes has done, and it is one amongst a, a number of attempts to really model results of large clinical trials. And what it can do, as you suggest, is not only save us time, but actually use a 
available evidence, even from very different populations like those of Accord Advance, Proactive, and alike, and actually project using these mathematical models and very sophisticated mathematical models, uh, uh, I would argue, to literally try to understand what hundreds of thousands of patients might experience were they to be enrolled in similar clinical trials. So uh, in a nutshell, what it does is it takes known results, builds them into this mathematical model, and then tries to project with similar or differing patient populations what we might expect if we did very large-scale or very long-term clinical trials. How were you able to use this Archimedes model to explore the effects of different study designs and trial populations on some of these cardiovascular outcome studies? Yeah, well, let, let, me, let me back up a step and say what it has been used for prior to this modeling of cardiovascular outcomes is really trying to predict what the effect of things like screening and early intervention for prevention of diabetes uh, might simulate. And some of those study results have already been published. And, and it turns out in the domain of diabetes prevention, Steve, that uh, the relatively straightforward interventions, uh, lifestyle interventions to assist with moderate weight loss and increased physical activities have been proven to be of benefit um, even if they were applied to larger, more diverse populations using the Archimedes model. Now, what we faced with these clinical trials in cardiovascular outcomes is arguably more complex. You're trying to predict uh, much rarer endpoints, things like heart attack and stroke. So these, while they occur commonly in patients with diabetes, probably only affect uh, 1 to 5% of individuals each year that they're followed. So taking the Archimedes model, plugging in information from Accord, from Advance, from the UK study, um, and attempting to mimic, in a sense, the results that were actually observed, uh, that, that asks the question, does the model recreate the environment that was seen in each of these clinical trials? And if that's the case, then we can start plugging in very different populations, trying to answer even bigger questions in larger populations. So specific to cardiovascular disease, while there was no demonstrated benefit from Accord, Advance, and other trials, there was in each of those trials a very modest or small trend towards lower rates of heart disease. And uh, what Archimedes can hopefully help us address um, by validating the model is whether glucose control can at least add some marginal benefit if applied safely in larger, low-risk populations. Now, those answers aren't known yet, Steve, and obviously that's one of the values of the model because the literally hundreds of millions of dollars that are spent on clinical trials um, would be better spent uh, with a few thousand dollars invested in modeling before the trials are actually started. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Diabetes Discourse on ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I am Dr. Stephen Edelman. I'm speaking with my good friend and colleague, Dr. David Kendall. We are discussing understanding the effects of glycemic control on macrovascular disease using the Archimedes model. So can the Archimedes model help design future studies that may uh, be more beneficial or have the results more meaningful? Well, Steve, I I think absolutely. Uh, You know, what we've learned from uh, large-scale prevention efforts and uh, modeling from both Uh, diabetes uh, and diabetes outcomes and other diseases is what these models can do is at least identify key variables that will be essential if larger scale trials are to be done. Um, 
And, and as you and many of the listeners know, what, what has become the trend is to actually do many of these larger trials, not in a pure randomized controlled trial setting, but in what are called pragmatic trials. What happens when we introduce an intervention into thousands, tens of thousands, or even hundreds of thousands of individuals, but within their usual clinical setting? And I think if we're going to do that effectively, using some of this mathematical modeling as background will be essential to best design those, which patients to treat, how aggressively to treat them, what other risk factors may be necessary to manage, but manage in, as I said, a practical or pragmatic way. The government has this NHANES database, and they have their own simulations. What kind of results have they had, and is it different than Archimedes? While the precise details from NHANES modeling and other groups like those at the University of Chicago, certainly uh, the groups at the Centers for Disease Control, have come up with uh, subtle differences, in some cases uh, at least quantitative differences in their outcomes, I would say, in general, there's been qualitative agreement between most of the larger models. Um, and what I would say is what, what each of these do is really provide a slightly different viewpoint, but on the same major question. And NHANES has its value for the longitudinal data that have been collected over the years. Each of the large-scale clinical trials that have been uh, imported into Archimedes has its own uh, influence on the model. So uh, it's, in a sense, like looking at the same problem from a slightly different perspective. Well, in light of all these trials, David, uh, let's talk a little bit about clinical therapy. What is our understanding right now of the effects of glycemic control on macrovascular outcomes? We do know that it reduces microvascular disease, but where does it stand in terms of large artery disease? Our understanding of the impact of glucose control on eye, nerve, and kidney disease and diabetes has not only been reaffirmed, but I would say further strengthened by many of these trials that suggest that good glycemic control without, you know, perfect or optimal glycemic control can still substantially reduce the risk of microvascular disease. But if there is, in fact, uh, an isolated role for glucose on cardiovascular disease, Steve, it is probably quite modest and at least in the setting of optimized control of LDL cholesterol good blood pressure control and uh, optimized use of antiplatelet therapy, uh, that effect appears to be minimal. So uh, two take-home messages for me is that, one, I I think each of these trials have suggested that further lowering of glucose is likely to extend very limited additional benefit for the population with diabetes as relates to cardiovascular risk. Um, But that said, I think a number of lessons are emerging that, one, support how we address microvascular disease risk, and two, that the treatment approaches to type 2 diabetes likely have their benefit if applied, um, one, as early as possible, two, to achieve the lowest uh, level of hemoglobin A1c that is rational, but that it must be achieved as safely as possible. Well, in closing, as you see the future American Diabetes Association algorithms coming out, do you see any major changes? Because I think we've all treated patients individually and as safely as possible. So I'm not sure how many things have changed since these new studies have come out. I think we're just paying a little more attention to it. Yeah, and I think uh, two points that are underscored by these results, one you just repeated, that uh, I think it reaffirms what we've done uh, and perhaps highlights the, the 
potential risk of aggressively applying at least the the more traditional therapies. Um, and, and the second is that it's no one thing that's going to win this race, that it's really multi-risk factor intervention um, that will benefit the larger populations with diabetes. And I think underscores what many of us have always assumed, but perhaps not emphasized enough, Steve, and that's that we individualize the approach. Studies are done in large populations of patients. The results are applicable to populations. In fact, the models are applicable to even larger populations. But you and I and everyone listening, we treat individuals. Thanks, David. Well, I'd like to thank our guest, Chief Scientific and Medical Officer of the American Diabetes Association, Dr. David Kendall. Dr. Kendall, thank you so much for spending time with us on Diabetes Discourse. Steve, thanks so much for uh, allowing me to join you, and uh, thanks uh, even more for uh, such a great topic. Thank you for listening to Diabetes Discourse, sponsored by Novo Nordisk, a world leader in diabetes care. To learn more about diabetes and the role of GLP-1, visit novomedlink.com forward slash DIA. For more details on the interviews and conversations in this week's show, or to download the segment, visit us at reachmd.com. Daddy, what are you reading? I'm reading about something called GLP-1. Is it a robot? No. (laughs) GLP-1 is a natural hormone that helps regulate glucose metabolism. Its multiple actions are critical to glucose control. Huh? Okay. Well, GLP-1 works in a glucose-dependent manner. It stimulates the beta cells in your pancreas to secrete insulin and inhibit the liver from releasing excessive glucose by reducing glucagon secretion from alpha cells. It also helps regulate food ingestion by slowing gastric emptying in your stomach here (laughs) and making you feel full. Like at Thanksgiving? Yes. Um, I don't get it. Is it important? Well, GLP-1 is important because it impacts the multiple systems affected by diabetes. It also plays a significant role in protecting beta cells, a key to slowing diabetes progression. Unfortunately, many people with type 2 diabetes have impaired GLP-1 secretion and impaired beta cell response to GLP-1. Like Grandpa? Yes. And like many of my type 2 diabetes patients. That's why I want to make sure I'm looking at the whole picture in diabetes. Sustained control of A1C is important, but we can't stop there. It's important to look at weight, cardiovascular risk, and beta cell dysfunction. Impaired GLP-1 physiology is also a part of the problem, and the multiple actions of GLP-1 throughout the body are critical. So, the GLP-1 robot will help you see the whole picture. (laughs) Yes, I guess, in a way, it will. Novo Nordisk is a world leader in diabetes care and is dedicated to ongoing research. To learn more about GLP-1 and the role it plays in diabetes, please visit novomedlink.com slash DIA.